0: In, in the name of Allah, God, the Beneficent, the Merciful, the great God promised to come, and it's prophesied to come, to seek and to save that which was lost. And we're grateful to him for his intervention in our affairs in the person of Master Fahd, Muhammad, whom praise is forever due. And we thank him for his wise choice. The, Bible, the Quran says, excuse me, that he knows best where to place his message. And his decision, his choice was justified. The Bible says it like this, that wisdom is justified by her children. And so the choice of our Savior in the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, this man whom we believe to be the exalted Christ, is justifying. But I would know either one of them were not for a wonderful human being, the champion of the oppressed in America and throughout the globe, the man whom I believe that when the history is written that there will be a unanimous consensus that in this hour, in this time, he was a voice crying out in the wilderness. He was a voice uncompromising in his love, not only for our people, but really love for the human family. And I'm speaking of the Honorable Minister Farrakhan. It's in their names I greet you, the people of God, with the greeting words of peace. assalamu alaikum Well, how are you all feeling today? Good. It's good to see you all. And I hope and I pray to God that whatever we can say, uh, can be of some benefit and some value. I want to thank Sister uh, Arian, Brother Wesley, Sister Aisha for their opening remarks. And that, that date at Oswego College, that was a long time ago. And um, I remember that. There was a whole bunch of us there. I don't remember Brother Ave. She said Brother Ave was there. I, don't, I didn't remember then. But during those early days, um, the minister, would travel all over the place. I mean, and Brother Jabril, our preeminent scholar, Brother, may Allah be pleased with him, Brother Jabril would write this, these articles called Far Khan the Traveler. And they were a nice bound volume, too. I mean, he kept writing and writing them and, you know, in, their final, in, their, in the final call. But the minister, in those early days, when I say early, well, I came in 1982 And from 82, what, up until the 90s, I guess, right? The minister's traveling all over. And he, I mean, traveling all over. So for those of you who are new and you see that the minister speaking of a rare occasion, it wasn't like that in the early days. You would see him all the time. He'd speak here at a college there. He'd speak at some... Um, Some someone is inviting him over there or this. And of course, sometimes the believers would have an an engagement and he would speak there. It those early days were very uh, exciting now, but they were different, different kind of atmosphere. And when you're when you're there and you're involved, you don't really appreciate it until years go past. And then you look back and you see what you did and what we did, even with the Million Man March. I mean, we were working for that, yes. striving. And, and then it happened. And then years later, you, you look back and you say, my God, look what Allah did for us. Look at that wonderful experience. So, um, so when she said this, I wasn't planning on saying it. Is When she said Oswego and that college experience just brought a flood of memories, um, what I wanted to talk about, By the grace of God, the prophet Muhammad is in one of his sayings or his hadith, he said that one learned follower is harder on the devil than a thousand ignorant worshipers. Now, we live in a world where ignorance is a pervasive reality. We live in a world where not only is ignorance a pervasive reality, but people seem to take tremendous pride in their ignorance. It's one thing if you don't know and and you wanna try to do better, right? It's another thing when you are ignorant and you don't care. And not only that, but then you have a a combination of not only ignorance but arrogance. So here are people ignorant and arrogant in their ignorance. Yeah, I don't know so what? Yeah, I don't know and, and, right? And there is a resistance in too many cases to even want to know, want to understand. Well, This condition of pervasive ignorance is not by accident. This is not something that just by happenstance, but this is the result of something conscious and something deliberate. So in the early 1930s, our Savior, he asked the Honorable Elijah Muhammad a series of questions. And one of these questions he asked him, he said, well, why does the devil keep our people illiterate? And then the honorable Elijah Muhammad's answer was, "Because he does not want us to know." No, that's not why. He yes. Yeah, why is it? Because he, he wants to keep as a tool as a slave. He keeps him blind to himself so he can master them. Yeah. Illiterate means ignorant. I'm thinking about why the devil took Jerusalem. I'm mixing those up. Man and yes, so he can use them for a tool and a slave. Now, listen to the Savior's question. He says, why does the devil keep our people illiterate? He didn't say why did, did is past tense. You know, when our fathers were in shadow slavery, it was illegal to teach us how to read. You know that there could be severe penalty to the slave who knew how to read, and severe penalties to those who taught the slave how to read. But he wasn't referring to something in the past. He's referring to an ongoing present-day condition. He says, why does the devil keep our people illiterate? And you know, many of us, and, and I'm not speaking, this is not a revelation, you know, many of us don't like to read. Many of us find reading to be a... Uh, We resist reading. And if we do read, we only read certain kind of books. And if we do read, we only make sure those books are only so big. So one question will be asked, well, you know, you should read this book or read that book. And one of the first questions we'll ask, either to ourselves or to the person who is offering or making the the suggestion, we'll say, well, how, how big is it? How many pages is it? Well, it's about um, 400 pages. 400 pages. Are you insane? I'm not reading for, I am not reading a 400-page book, right? Well, what, what is acceptable to you? Well, 25 and 30, I'm good with that. 400, I am not doing this. And in our minds, Automatically, so some people may see a book like this, and this may be borderline for a book we read, and maybe a book like this, we say, well, I might, but I'm a little scared, because it's kind of big. So we have all of these criteria about reading, about the acquisition of knowledge. In the Quran, which is a book that was the book of scripture for the Muslims, It's a book that was revealed over 23 years. And the first revelation that God gave to Muhammad wasn't to pray. It wasn't to fast. It wasn't about marriage. It wasn't about your dietary discipline. But the first thing that God told Muhammad was to read. Because the people he he was dealing with, his Arabs were illiterate. They didn't didn't like to read, didn't wanna read. And the condition of Arabs 1400 years ago is a sign of the condition of our people here in the year 2023. We don't like to read. And so if I, sometimes when people would tell you something, maybe you don't know, and you will say, well, I, I'm not quite sure about that, so I'm, I'm going to do a little research. And when they say a little research, what they really mean, I'm going to go to Google or I'm going go to YouTube, and I'm going to find some videos. And you can get us to read videos, watch videos all day. And many of us are on Facebook, and we, we all do all kinds of social media. And then when you say to us, not only is a A barrier the size of a book but another barrier for us is the amount of time that we have Brother Haleen with all due respect I don't have the time as they're looking on Facebook for hours and they say this without any irony they say this without any contradiction at all and they say I don't have time Brother Haleen as they're watching television all day. I don't have time, Brother Halim, as they're doing this and they're doing that. It's not the fact you don't have the time. It's the fact we don't have the will. And because we don't have the will, then we don't do it. What, what I hope, if you just give me a, I'm not gonna, I promise I'm not going to be long because we have a lot of things today. But in the short time that we have, if I, if I can if we can leave here inspired to want to learn, inspired to be engaged in something that's natural for all of us, and it is natural to want to learn. Nobody in their natural mind wants to be ignorant. Nobody does. Nobody in their right mind wants to be foolish. All of us want to make wise decisions, right? Who wants to be stupid none of us do. <laughs> in the Quran Abraham makes a prayer to Allah and he says my Lord grant me wisdom and join me with the righteous and make me of the heirs of the garden of bliss and forgive my sire Surely he is of the erring ones, and disgrace me not on the day when they are raised, the day when wealth will not avail nor sons, except to him who comes to Allah with a sound heart. All of us want to be wise. All of us want to have the power of discernment. All of us want to be able to know who can I trust, who can I not trust. All of us want to be able to go and navigate through life, making as few mistakes as possible. And if we make a mistake, we don't want to repeat that mistake. But these are all signs of wisdom. And all of us by nature want to be this, by nature. Okay. And when we see someone foolish, we don't say, hopefully in our right mind, we don't say, man, I want to be like him. Or be like her. Most of us say, you know what? Thereby, the grace of God, go I to learn. In the Quran, Allah says it like this. He says, if all the trees were pens and all the seas were ink and seven more seas added to it, You couldn't exhaust the words of Allah. This is a profound statement. There's a lot of wisdom in that, but a part of the wisdom is that in this marvelous universe that we live in, as far as you can go, it can go farther. As deep as you can go, it can go deeper. There are people who spend all of their lives studying ants, there are people who spend all their lives spent studying rocks. There are all there are people who spend all their lives studying studying all of this wonderful creation and when and the more they learn, the more they say, My God, I don't know. They study, and to you and to me, they appear to be very knowledgeable about whatever their subject matter is, and they are knowledgeable, but they know that what they know is so little compared to what there is to know. And this kind of person who is always seeking, always curious about life, always curious about knowledge, always understanding, I don't know. And I want to know more. And so the honorable Mr. Farrakhan, he would say, we look at him as a wise man. We look at him as a knowledgeable man. And he is wise. And he is knowledgeable. But he will say that what I know you can put on the head of a common pin compared to what there is to know. And he said, there'll be a lot of room left over. That's a profound statement. To know like this. Now, When it comes to our condition, and what we go through, and our learning, our savior tried to create a condition where we would see and recognize ourselves as students. Students of life. Not only students of, of, of religion, or the teachings, but students of everything yeah. to be a student. And sometimes many of us are, are really offended to be called a student. I remember I came to Nation in 1982, and all of the officials were, were just that officials. They were called ministers, and they were called captains, and they were called student captains and secretaries and lieutenants and whatever, right? And then the Honorable Mr. Farrakhan, he said, no, you're students. You are student ministers. You're student captains. You're student this. And there were some laborers who had issues with that. There are some laborers who became very indignant to that. And some fell out of the ranks because they don't want to be called a student. Well, I humbly suggest to you, you can never be a great student until you're first, I mean a great teacher, until you're first a great student. The Honorable Mr. Farrakhan is a teacher of extraordinary brilliance and excellence. But the reason why he's such a brilliant teacher is because he's an outstanding student. He always wants to learn. I don't care who you are. He will tell you, I can learn from every single one of you. Whether you are a baby or whether you've been around for decades, it's immaterial and it's irrelevant. I can learn from all of you. He's a wonderful example for us. The Quran talks about him. It says about him that Muhammad is an excellent exemplar him who hopes in Allah law in the latter days. Well, that's the Honorable Minister Farrakhan. He's an excellent exemplar to learn. Study. The Bible says, you know, to study and show yourself approved. Study. Now, studying, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad taught us that studying has it's beginning with God himself. Yes. God was the first student. Yes. Yes. But I mean, what do you mean he was the first student? Yeah, he was. We were taught by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad that the originator of the heavens and earth was an atom of light and life spinning in the darkness. And we were taught he was doing two things simultaneously. One thing he was doing, he was building himself up in the darkness. And two, he was going to war with the darkness. And then we were told that he studied himself and saw inside of himself a second self. And we were told that this second self was you, sisters. You, you are the second self of God. Don't let some man degrade you. Don't let some man tell you that you are less than what you are. You are not the woman of a man. You are the woman of God. Not only the woman of God. You are God too. You are not a goddess. You are a God. But he had to study himself. So the originator, he was the first theologian. Theologian, theology is a the study of God. And he was studying himself. God studying himself. Theo means God. And that God studying himself is a sign that as he was a theologian, you should be a theologian you not only studying the originator of the heavens and the earth, but studying you. Yes. Yes. Learning about you. I'm going to get to that in, in a minute. When our Savior, who was born February 26, 1877, his father prepared him for a very special service. His mother was from the Caucasus Mountains, Caucasian. His father was one of the original scientists. And his father did this not because he wanted to be an integrationist. He did this because he prepared his son On at least two different levels. One, he prepared his son from both peoples to give justice to both. But he also prepared his son so he could navigate without detection among our enemies. They were expecting an Asiatic presence among us. Looking for this. But they weren't expecting him to come in the form that he did. And so the scripture says about our Savior, Master Father Muhammad, that he came in sinful flesh to condemn sin in the flesh. And we were taught that his father, in preparing him, didn't buy for him Xboxes, didn't buy for him Nike sneakers didn't buy for him new LED televisions. He didn't buy for him an iPhone or, 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 or um, an iPad. He bought him books. And he didn't go to Amazon and get the books. He didn't go to, you know, to uh, Barnes and Nobles. He traveled all over to get rare books for his boy, for his son, in preparation as a sign for us. Most of us, we have prepared our children that if we even thought about getting them a book, they would frown their noses. True? Even before we got to that point, most of us wouldn't even, it wouldn't even entertain, uh, we wouldn't even entertain the thought to give our books to our children. Wow. Because most of us don't think about getting books for ourselves. Right. Right. Or if we do, we get a book and we just put it on the shelf someplace. All we have like the Bible and the Quran, is on the coffee table, it's on the, uh, by the, the lamp near the, you know, our beds, and every day, we make this crime of going by it. When I say go by it, I'm not being talking about guided by the principles. I'm talking about go by it means it's sitting there and we go by it. Every day. Are you mad at me for this? Yeah, I can tell. The Quran has a pretty blunt description of us as a people the Quran calls us asses carrying books we have them don't look at them don't even try to learn and there's a culture among us that to read is square to read and to learn is corny so sometimes in school, students, our children have to dumb themselves down to be accepted among their peers. They can't be perceived as speaking in sentences. They can't be perceived as wanting to know and to learn. So in many cases, to be accepted by their peers, they have to look as if they don't want to learn. And they don't like learning. And they don't want to read. And they don't want and they don't like to read. This is the culture among us. Think about it. To learn. To learn. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad says something about himself and about, really about us, and the power of learning. He said his sa- the Savior gave him 104 books to read. That's right. Was it, four or three? 104. Yes. Books to read. And he said the best among them was this book, the Quran. In fact, about it, we only have one picture of our Savior. And in that picture, he's reading the Quran. But he's reading as a sign of what should be our activity. And we were told that he studied for 42 years before he came to us. He was a student, which was to teach you, you can't go out among us jacklegging legging it. You can't go among us winging it. You can't go among us just talking at the top of your head. You have to be involved in learning. You have to be a lover of knowledge. In the Quran, he describes himself as the best knower. That means he's one who has knowledge. He, has, he calls himself uh, 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 Hakim, wise. He studied for 42 years, and he gave his messenger 104 books to read. Malcolm was a thug, a criminal but that he went to prison and he became lit with learning, lit with reading. And don't let them lie to you and tell you that Malcolm was transformed because he read a dictionary. Hell, dictionaries were there before and dictionaries are there now. And dictionaries ain't raised nobody from the dead, but what raised him from the dead was the teaching of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. That raised him from the dead, yes. but he became a lover of reading yes. when I was in college. Now, when I was a little boy, my mom bought me a set of encyclopedias, and I would read them. It was a world book. I, I, was, at a certain point in my life, I knew all the states in order in terms of population. I knew them all in order in terms of their size, area size. I knew all the capitals. And I I would just read them all the time. I love to read. I love to read. And then there was something that took place in life that diminished my love for reading. I remember when I was in school, as a little boy, if I wasn't one of the top students, top two or three, I felt disappointed. Yeah. I was a really good student. Mm-hmm. I remember one time I had a black teacher. It was in second grade, I think it was. And she was asking, how do bears sleep when they hibernate? And I remember telling her, I said, well, the, the bears, the, you know, the, the, um, their body heat, they're in the snow and it melts the snow and produces air bubbles and, and in the air bubbles they breathe through me. And she said no. But I remember looking her face. I, I just, there was total hypothesis on my part, right? Yes. Um, but she was impressed by my thought process. The answer was wrong. And and then my mom took us, we moved to you ever heard of Attica before? Yes. You heard the prison? Attica, right? Well, Attica prison is a town called Attica. That's where the prison is, Attica. And we moved there. Gang violence is taking place in Buffalo. And so she moved us out. And now I'm in a, an environment where I'm the only black student there. And my sister, she went to a middle school, no, to elementary. I went to the middle school. We the only black children, only black family. And I remember they did some stuff to us. So I remember what I did. I was spit on. <laughs> I mean, just a lot of stuff. I mean, when I was in Buffalo, we would use the N word both black and white, we didn't think, I mean, I'm dead, so I don't think much about it. So somebody black and white were fighting. They would, we would say both black and white, they would say fight, fight, nigger and a white. right? And we'd all say this in Buffalo. And, and then when I got to Attica, and they called me that name, there was a whole different spirit with them. I mean, they said it with vitriol. And I said, I don't like this word no more. And I won't bore you with all the details that took place, but so now I'm in this environment and my grades are going down. And I, don't, I don't know why, but my grades, I was always the top. Now they're going down, going down. And I'm, I don't know what's happening, but I have to study hard, but when I do, I'll do better. But when I was younger, it was easy. Now it's not getting so easy. Then we moved back to Buffalo, seventh grade and up. Now my grades get back good again. I go to high school. And I go to one of the best high schools in, in the city of Buffalo, one of the top one or two. I wanted to be an architect. It was, I wanted to be an architect, so it was, this school was for me for four years to learn how to be an architect. My grades are going steadily down again. And I, I go, I have this, in my senior year, I had this class, this teacher named Miss Leopard, I remember her. And I had, a, now my motivation Something's going on because I'm not motivated anymore. When I was a little boy, I would read books on my own. No one had to tell me. I I was self-motivated. Now, my motivation in school, something is happening. I don't know what's going on. And I don't even have the self-awareness to even question what's going on. But now this, I'm, I'm in school, my, my senior year. Uh, now all the things I learned for four years are being brought together now in this one class. And my my given name was Donald Smith. I didn't want to tell you that. <laughs> I don't really like I don't really like hearing my slave name at all, right? But that was my that was my given name. And so the. Uh, when, when they had roll call, there was a project I didn't do. And there was a roll call, and so all the names were going. And I don't, I remember, for whatever reason, my name was last, even though I wasn't the last, even though Smith was not the last name. But my name was last. And I didn't do this project. And then she said, the teacher said, and Donald Smith, do you have your project? I don't know why I wouldn't do it. Just didn't do it. And then one day I did the project. I brought it in, and then all the students give mock applause. Yay, I finally got find any guys. Shut up, I got it. Leave me alone. Right. <laughs> and then I found out I wasn't the only one who didn't have the project. I found out there were all these white boys. Who didn't have, But she never, she never placed them for public ridicule. Like I was. And here I was, when I was a little boy, I was always at the top. And there's a, there was a comprehensive exam to pass. So, so if you didn't pass this, those whole four years went for naught. I passed, but I barely passed. I had a 65. And at the end, I said, I, I, don't, I don't want to be an architect anymore. I don't, I don't want to be an architect. I don't know what was happening. I, I, didn't, I didn't want to be an architect. I went to college. And when I went to college, I didn't go to college to go to pursue with the thought I'm pursuing some, something in life because I had no idea what I wanted to do. None. I'm aimless. I've got no purpose. I've got no direction. I know what I'm doing. And so I had a friend who went to the school I would eventually go to, and do you know the reason why I chose that school? Is God is my judge. I went to that school because he told me at that school they party in that school. I said, well, if they party in that school, that's where I want to go. That's right where the party is. And that was the criteria for why I chose the college I went to. And then, so my, my grades, high school, I had to work really hard to go get good grades. Now, my grades, they're plummeting. And I don't, I don't know what's going on. Now, I remember this. There was a, there was a time in my, I just conscious thought, where I started really questioning my intelligence. I started questioning my, I don't know what's going on with me. I, I, I don't, my motivation is gone, I don't know what to do. I can't, when I study, my grades are terrible. And then something happened to me that interrupted this process with me. I, I, one of my courses was called Sex, Racism, and Violence. And there were these two books. I didn't read them during the course. But I read them a little later. One was a book called uh, Soul on Ice. Eldridge Cleaver. Yes. The Black Panther. Yes. You remember that? And the other one was called Black Rage, written by these yes. two psychologists, Greer and Cobbs. And the Greer of Greer and Cobbs, he was the father of David Allen Greer. Yes. And I read these two books, and they, they open up a world to me yes, yes, sir. and I'm whole oh, I, I didn't even know there was another world for us yes. I had no idea that there was another existence for our people now I am I'm lit now yes, and there's a brother who is a, a friend of mine in my circle and he had a biological brother a year older, but he wasn't a part, I knew he was, because I would go over there, I would see him, but he wasn't a part of my circle. But I don't know how we came together, but all of a sudden, we connected. He started feeding me books. I'm going to the library. I'm getting books, man, I remember getting books. Books, 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 I'm just reading. I'm reading, I'm reading. I couldn't distinguish, if it was about black folk, I read it. Then there were these two books that he, he gave me to read that touched me. One was a book by Hakim Abudi called Enemy the Clash of Races. When I read Enemy Clash of Races, I remember going to bed at night, I was crying crying because he made such a pervasive, I mean persuasive argument that our people don't know what's taking place. They don't know they're being set up for destruction because I didn't know till I read it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And the other book that he gave me to read was called The Autobiography of Malcolm X. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And when I read that book about Malcolm, I said, oh my God, I never met anyone like Malcolm. I mean, I fell in love with Malcolm. And when at the end of the book, he leaves the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, I left with him. I'm traveling with Brother Malcolm. Can you, do you mind, I got, I don't, I have a few minutes. Do you mind if I come down here with you? Do you mind? Because sometimes people mind. So if you mind, I won't do it. I'm lying. I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> so Malcolm, his book, it touched me. And when he left, I left with him. And then there was this brother, that same brother. He was working for the N.W. Working, volunteering for the NAACP at Juneteenth. And he got this flyer. And on this flyer, it said the Nation of Islam. And there was a name I never heard before. I I never, I didn't know how to pronounce it, but I remembered the first letters F-A-R-R-A. I remember that. I didn't know the name. I didn't know the person. And when I saw that flyer, I said the Nation of Islam? I didn't believe that people still believe this. I didn't consciously think about it. I thought everyone was like me. I thought everyone traveled with Malcolm. I thought that as Malcolm left, he, everyone left with him. I thought that Malcolm, because when he exposed the nation and exposed Elijah Muhammad, I thought everyone saw the truth about Elijah, everyone saw the truth about Malcolm, I see me, about the nation, and they left with him because that's what I did. And I said to Nick, these guys are still around. And, I, and for some reason, I said, well, let me go here. What are you talking about? And I went. And there was this brother, you all know him, Captain Dennis. Brother Dennis was there. And it was a very strange kind of environment for me. I met this one brother, bald, shiny head, and white shirt, bow tie on. He had these dark sunglasses. And then my mind said, "Dang, that's what the Muslims look like." <laughs> and I remember it was—I mean, I don't forget now. I—I I didn't come from my my home, my, my my life. I didn't have um, institutionalized religion in my life, so I didn't go to church—not even for Easter, not even for Christmas. I didn't do any of that. And I knew, I knew nothing about a mosque. And so they had a little circle of seats. And the strange thing, they had a little tape recorder. You know those little tape recorders you press, like play and reverse, and it pops up the cassette. And they're, 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 it's in the middle. And they're sitting around listening to it. I'm saying, these are some strange people. And they listen to this. And they're talking about, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) This is some strange stuff to me, right? You know, because this is not my my background at all. And I was 20 years old. And although it's strange, it didn't, I didn't, it wasn't so strange to stop me from coming. I never stopped coming. I come back all the time. And it got me to even read more. So now, I go back to college, I'm a voracious reader now. Now, I took a class called, I forgot what it was called, but it was about some African history course, and the professor, a white professor, married to a black woman. So he thought he was down. (laughs) And I remember I had a book, because I'm reading now, called Destruction of Black Civilization by Chancellor Williams. I actually did know about that book. He said, I knew about it, I heard about it, but I don't want to read it. Well, why, Professor? because well, I, you know, heard about it, some things I ain't like it, right? And I said to him, well, well Professor, said, Professor Gallagher, I said, you can't tell a book by this cover. You gotta read it by yourself. Well, it convinced him. He said, okay, I'll read it. So I gave it to him, my book to read. He gave it back to me real quick. I asked him, well, did you read it? He said, well, no, it's what I thought it was. He was offended because one of the chapters was called White Devils from the West. He ain't like that. And I said to him, As God is my, I said, but Professor Gallagher, he's a white man now. He's my professor. He gives me my grade. I said to him, I said, but Professor Gallagher, the white man is the devil. And I said to him, and I you, you find one place where you can go, but this man hasn't corrupted the land, corrupted the people, corrupted the morals. He won! I took many classes with him. And one time I took a class and my my grades were a C. But as God's my judge, he gave me an A. And he said, because I know you know this. What I would do, whatever we, whenever we're going to learn about, i go back to my books, i go read, and i come back a deal. <laughs> <laughs> Had a class, another class called Black Folklore. Okay. And the professor, he, I guess he thought he was being liberal. He said that Jesus was, was I think he said brown. I said, no, so he's black. <laughs> I, remember, I remember the look on his face. And I, I, I quoted Malcolm. I said, yeah, Malcolm X said he never had anyone argue with him about that point, about Jesus is black. And there was a white girl in the back of the room, started crying. <laughs> Jack Ryan, what difference does it make? What difference does it make? See so y'all crackers, you y'all talk that talk as long as he's white. Y'all talk that talk, and now you look like you. But when we see he got hair like Liam's wool, so he got black lips, he got broad. y'all. And my brain, it's not taking off. All of a sudden, now, the old Donald's back. All of a sudden, now, the man who loved wisdom is back. Who loved to read is back. But what gave me that life when raised me from the dead, it was the teaching of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad that gave me life to <laughs> Learning, that's right, that's right. a love for knowledge, a love for wisdom, and not only that, but the Honorable Elijah Muhammad told us he gave us an invincible truth. When he gave us these so-called stars, they can't handle it. I remember in college, a professor took an anthropology course. And I remember the professor, I forgot how it came up, he tried to make it like all of us were cave people. I said, "No, so, I was not No caves, no place. And he tried to, you know, because in these caves in Europe, they got pictures of black people in these caves. And I say, well, he, 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 he cited that. I said, Professor, a better, a better explanation isn't that black folks were cave? A better explanation is they saw black folk. And they drew those black folk. And he didn't fight me on that. He didn't argue with me on that. Well, what what was it that inspired or gave me direction and focus to what I was dealing with these professors? It wasn't Brother Halim. It wasn't Brother Donald. It's what the Honorable Louis Farrakhan was teaching me, what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad was teaching me. They gave us an invincible truth. One thing that the minister's done and is doing that is not appreciated among even those of us in the nation. He has cultivated a cadre of scholarship that is second to none. These brothers and sisters are so bad. Not bad in the bad way, bad in bad. I mean, they're brilliant. But in truth, they, gotta, they really have a leg up on everybody else. One, they have an invincible truth, so the raw materials already. Yes. And two, they have the example of the best defender among black folk, and that's the animal. Yes, so they know how he formulates arguments. Yes. They know, understand how he presents certain truths. Yes. And so they have the best model. Yes. They're already bringing brothers and sisters they already know how to write. They love knowledge. And so with all those factors, the minister has produced this great model of scholarship. They are like Moses, who was back in the cave days, had a circle of fire That's right. protecting him. That's, right. That's what these scholars are, fire. Right. Protecting the Honorable <laughs> fire God and protecting the nation of Israel. Couple of things, and I'm gonna go. Learning one learned follower is harder on the devil Here it is. than a thousand ignorant worshippers. Learning, we can learn all circumstances. And here's a, a place of learning that I want you to consider. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, like this He said, In every death, there's a lesson. Every death. Every death. So someone dies. Well, how old, were, how old were they when they died? You say it was a long, long life. How old? He was 65 years old. Okay. Now Elijah Muhammad said that the weakest among us should be at least 100 years old. At least 100. When you see people dying at 65, 70, 80 years old, these are babies. That's right. And in every death is a lesson. Yeah. how they die? Or the circumstance, well, they were drinking, crashed and died, so That's a lesson. how they die? Well, they were wracked with all kinds of chronic diseases. There's a lesson. how they die? Well, um, he caught his, Wife and another man, with another man and shot him both. Lessons. All lessons. But there's also lessons of death in other ways. Death of relationships. Here, many of us, dear brothers and sisters, multiple marriages go in out of boyfriends and girlfriends like we change sides. And why? Because we never learned a lesson. My dear sister, you are so beautiful. You really are. But in many cases, your judgment is really flawed. In many instances, You don't know how to pick a man. So, what's the criterion by which you judge a man? He got muscles, he got a pretty smile, he got long eyelashes, he got bow legs, Or he has a Mercedes, or a Lexus. He got a little money in the bank, and some criteria may be a little better than others, but none of them are really good ones. So make mistake, 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 and more and more bitter, more and more angry, and brothers, same thing. So, and then you get to a point where you say, brother, with all these relationships, you say, you know, all women are bees. All of them, all of them. And you say, sister, so you get a point in discuss, you say, all men are dogs. All of them, all of them. Oh. And then when you listen to the conversation, you you find very little self-awareness. Very little knowledge or or willingness to take responsibility of decisions that you made, that we made. I gotta gotta wrap this up. So the Savior gave the Honorable Elijah Muhammad a lesson. He asked him a question. He said, what makes rain, hail, snow, and earthquakes? And then the Honorable Elijah, he answered like this. He said, the earth is approximately covered in the water. Approximately three-fourths of the surface. The sun and the moon having attracting power on our planet while our planet making the terrific speed of 1,037 and one-third miles on its way around the sun. And the sun draws this water up into the Earth's rotation which is called gravitation. In a fine mist that the naked eye can hardly detect. But as this mist ascends higher, and increasing with other mists of water until when she becomes heavier than gravitation. Then she distills back to the earth in the form of drops of water or drops of ice, which depends on how the di- uh, current of air was there. Not that some layers of currents of air were cold and warm, some very swift and changeable. So when the water strikes one of these cold currents, it becomes solid ice, in small round drops in the form, or in a light, fluffy form, which is called snow. For this water is not ever drawn above six miles from the Earth's surface by the sun and the moon. The reason why it rains back on our planet is because it cannot be the your sphere with its high speed of rotating around the sun is impossible. Earthquakes are caused by the son of man by experimenting on high explosion. In fact, that all the above is caused by the son of man. Why do you tell us this? What's the point? What's the, what's the reason? You see? You look at all this bad weather. You see tidal waves over there in California. Snow over there in Buffalo in the West Coast. Why are you looking at all this bad weather? It wasn't by the capricious arbitrary forces of nature, but an angry God who made all this. Not a spook, not a spirit, but a real live living man responsible for that weather. Here's a question for you. Who made the bad weather in your life? We all got some bad weather, don't we? Who makes the storms in our lives? It wasn't the spook that made it. Because we don't give a spook God. At the lesson it says, in fact, that all the above is caused by the Son of Man. All this bad weather is caused by the Son of Man, the Daughter of Man. We're responsible for the conditions we live in. We want to blame everybody else except for looking at the man in the mirror. Every death is a lesson to learn. Now, I want to end with this. So, the originator examined himself. And I want to encourage you to get a self-study. The Honorable Mr. Farrakhan wrote a series of study guides. These study guides are profoundly instrumental or tools for self-improvement. He wrote a letter on April 24, 8, 1987, and this letter introduces a study guide called "Building the Will," Part Seven. And I'm going to share this with you, and then we can call it a day. Is that is that okay? Yes, sir. The minister says this. He says, "I Dear believer, may this letter find you well and in good spirits by the help of Allah. And he says this. He says, "Fear restricts. Guilt restricts." Fear presupposes the absence of knowledge of what we fear. Guilt comes as a result of our knowledge of our violation of a standard of behavior. Beloved brothers and sisters, as we look deeper into ourselves, we must not fear what we see. So we only look at the study guides on the surface and present our bodies to the study guides, but we're afraid to look deeper and ever deeper into ourselves. I desire for every one of you to recommit to this study. He says this, get rid of fear. Get rid, he said, the only fear of God is necessary. All other fears should and can be conquered. Then he says this, get rid of guilt. Allah knew who we were before he chose us. His aim is to save us from our sins and present us to the world spotless and without blemish. Get rid of guilt. When you come into Islam, you come into this, many of us are guilty. Feel guilty of things that we've done. Sometimes, dear sister, maybe you find out that God does not approve of abortion. But you had an abortion, or maybe more than one, and now you feel guilty, wrecked with guilt, because of that. Sometimes, brother, we were abusive of women, and you come to Islam and you find out that that behavior, that conduct, is not acceptable to God. Sometimes we sold drugs and we watched our women prostitute themselves for drugs, and we destroyed families, and we were' wrecked with guilt. Based on what we did. But here he says, the minister says, get rid of guilt. Sometimes, dear family, we've done things as parents, even as believers. We've done things as parents to our children. And we've done made decisions, have not helped our children. And we're full of guilt. Maybe the relationship with our babies isn't right. You in the mosque, but our children out there running wild, and we say, What could I have done? Or what didn't I do? Full of guilt. He's like they're really guilt. In the Quran, Moses killed a man, didn't he? And he says to Allah, he says, Surely, my Lord, surely I've done harm to myself. So do thou protect me. And then the Quran says, And he protected him. Surely he is the forgiving, the merciful. We've we, we committed so much sin in this world. And the Quran says this tell them, say to them, O oh, my servants, who've been prodigal regarding their souls. Despair not at the mercy of Allah. Surely Allah forgives sins altogether. He is indeed the forgiving and the merciful. We come in, and we come in a lot of stuff, a lot of behavior. But if Allah can forgive a murderer and make him a prophet of God, what can he do for us? Yes. Yes. No matter what we did or done, he forgives sins altogether. That's right. That's right. Sometimes, acts of violence on others. Sometimes I've seen, I've had, you know, I remember a sister telling me recently that she knowingly slept with her friend's boyfriend, deliberately, knowingly. She said, I don't know why I didn't, when I hurt her. We do stuff like this, kind of behavior like this. And it brings about guilt to the minister, get rid of guilt. And he says this, if you discover a blot within yourself or blemish, don't retreat. Look at it with joy as if you found precious gold or precious stone. Stop right there. When you start being involved in that now, the most deepest learning you can do, now you start doing being like the first God was, and you start studying yourself, you're going to find some stuff in yourself. Yes, right. And sometimes you're going to find things that's not flattering. And fact about it, circumstances will bring out things in you. That's right. You know it's there. Yes, sir. And sometimes it can be very humbling. Sometimes it can be very disturbing what you're seeing yourself. Now I'm going to share something. If you can't identify what I'm going to share, you ever, you ever pray and some of the most crazy thoughts come in while you're praying? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Have you had it before? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And you say, what am I thinking? Of? I'm going to be talking to God! <laughs> and I got the most I ain't gonna tell you my thoughts. <laughs> that would be mean a lot. But these thoughts will come in. Sir.
1: Sir. Yes, sir. You had experience, dude.
0: Yes, <laughs> <laughs> you like, Lord? You say, "Oh Lord, please." <laughs> Things will come in. Sometimes circumstances. You know, Allah is a way of humbling all of us. So you come, we can be so self-righteous. We got stuff all together. Until circumstances come to humble us. And to recognize we got a lot of work to do. But when you see, when you engage like the originator did, and you start studying yourself, and you start seeing self, in self, things that's not flattering. Most of us have a tendency to be down on ourselves. Yeah, right. I'm no good. I'm this, I'm that. I remember one time I was going through it really, really bad. I wrote the 24-page letter. His sister <laughs> Sister Sophia she called me and she said, brother, how many the mission has your letter? 24 pages. And she said that she wasn't trying to be smart or funny, she was being dead serious, but and I tell you, it may sound funny, right? She said, he's only on page six. He's reading your letter. And in that letter, I said, in that letter I remember saying about my second, I, at this point, I said, listen, I'm gonna tell you who I am. And these things, if you knew about, I'd be very embarrassed. And I told him everything. Well, all I can remember. And I said, I did this. I did that. This happened to me. I did this. I did so and so. I just said all. And then I said in the letter, I said, I am a effer. I didn't say. I said the word. I'm an effer. He brought me down to the farm, talked about the letter. But that language, so we all sometimes have these names we call ourselves. I'm stupid. I'm ugly. My lips are too big. My ears are too wide. I got this problem. I got that problem. And for many of us as black minute a problem we got, we say, I'm too black. My hair not straight enough. This or that or the other. Now these are things that a liar made us feel bad about ourselves. But then because of our conduct in the past, and we see things about ourselves, and when it comes manifest to us, now we feel bad about ourselves. We don't want to look at it. We don't want to face what we are. No, no, no. We don't want to face what's in it. That's not what we are. Because what we are is divine. And we don't want to see it. You feel bad. But look what the minister says. He says, react with joy. As if you found precious gold. As if you found a precious stone. And he said, for every time we find a spot or blemish, he said, apply the spot remover." <laughs> then he put smile. Because we are a step closer to manifest proof that Allah has intervened in our lives. Wow. <laughs> yeah. We're not perfect. That's not true. We're on the... Road to, to become perfect. Yes, right. Jesus says, be ye perfect. As your Father in heaven is perfect. Where if he says, be ye perfect, that means he's going to set in motion the circumstances and the conditions that's going to make your perfection. That's right, that's right. That's right. So, this is the new year. And some of y'all crazy believers are going to party on New Year's. I just found this out recently. I was blown away by that. Wow. When Holy time out. Are you telling me there's some believers going to, to New Year's parties? Yes, Brother Halene. Wow. You old fuddy-duddy. <laughs> well, call me fuddy-duddy. But Allah says in the Quran and the Bible, Behold, I make all things new. You're going to be a new heaven. Don't you want to be new? Yeah, right. I know I want to be a new. I want to be a new person. I want to be a new man. That's right, that's right. I want to be new. Yes, sir. I want to be a better man, a better husband when I get married a better father, a better brother, a better servant. Well, how am I going to be better unless those things are manifested in me? And how will I know that I look for them? Engaged. The most profound study we can be involved in, the study of self. See, we like looking at everybody else. So what happens when, when someone comes, whether it's Brother Harim, Sister Aisha, Brother Chamekas, Brother Abdulima, whoever go up there and they speak and they teach, we have a tendency to do this. That's right, brother. Teach. Teach on them. <laughs> <laughs> and you saying, you hoping your husband here today. Oh, that so-called Negro here to hear this. Oh, my wife here this. Teach them! <laughs> you don't never say teach me! Because <laughs> 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 yeah. there, there's a part of us where we're like, remember the um, Dracula vampires? Oh yes, uh, yeah, they can't see their own reflection. Look at the mirror they can't see themselves. Blood suck. They don't know it. They're blind themselves. See, the eye can see out, but it, it can't see in. It takes a little more effort to see in. So last, last comment. Now, I've made a lot of mistakes in my life. A lot. Sometimes when, when I think about the things I did, I, I will descend into despair. Sin to depression, feeling sorry for myself, crying in my beer. Metaphorically, right?
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> Yeah, because some of us, let it go out to the minister. right now, let it minister, but how many want the roster to tell crying his beer?
1: <laughs>
0: feeling sorry for myself. When I, when the truth of the matter is, that sometimes we can be our worst critics. We can be so hard on ourselves. When every death is a lesson. So when we make a mistake, when we did something wrong, the worst thing to do is to just make the mistake over again. We should learn from them and correct them. So we can go on to higher ground. kind of humbling. Have you had that situation where you say, why do I keep finding myself in this situation over and over again? You know why? Because we ain't not the lessons. And until we learn the lessons, God, and you being God too, our decisions keep creating the same conditions until we solve them and learn from them. And then we go on to higher ground. I want to be a better man. Don't you? Learning is painful. When that originator was building himself in the darkness, it was a very painful process. And he didn't know how long it was because there was no one to record it. But it was painful. It's not easy. This isn't easy. It's not easy. But the Quran gives a clue for us. Has to happen. The Quran says we gotta face the deal. We gotta look at it. And when someone brings us the truth about ourselves, we can't get arrogant and dismissive. But we thank God someone had enough love and integrity to tell me the truth. So for the sandwich, there it is. For the sandwich. So he and I remember one time Brother Chamika did too. One time
1: and Brother David did too.
0: I can't tell. All of a sudden now, all these people keep telling me this. So I remember the Trimikas who were back there someplace or some. And insisted. I remember one time I was in Chicago i sit sitting next to brother Devin for the men's meeting, and I'm brother Nure is clapping, me, jamming and whatnot. And brother Devin says, "Brother, i don't even here. Yeah, just, <laughs> this is. See, there's a, a disturbing pattern that's being. That's <laughs> 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 the coffee, <laughs> it is. And brother Sam is always saying, "Brother, i don't even here. This is. As that's that's a friend, my whole point. That's a friend." You want me to go inside people's face like Dracula? When <laughs> people talk to you. They they they, they talking nasally. Love Laker, brother Halib. <laughs> you want to breathe in your presence. These are my friends who tell me if I'm not my stuff ain't right. To help me. My time is a little embarrassing, but I, I thank God for my friends who want to cover me. And so when your friends come to you and may share something that's not flattering, before you just dismiss it, yes. think about it. And if it's true, accept it. If it's true, just be a better person. If it's true, just say thank you. All praise is due to Allah. May Allah continue to bless and strengthen every single one of you. And I do see you the with your teeth. I